There's a lot of clubs and there's a lot of societies in the world, but you start at the bottom and work your way up. But when you come to Christ, you start at the top and you stay there unless you work yourself down. And so you see, this was a long time ago that I got saved and then over a period of 10 years, I had lost some of the, the uh, power of that salvation, okay? And then went through some really hard stuff and actually rediscovered grace. And then we would travel around the country and, and I, sometimes I would start with, how many of you have rediscovered grace? And there was always a few people that knew just exactly what I was talking about. But we are in the middle of a grace revival. I, I call it a gospel revival. Paul fought with it when he was in, in the flesh, and, or shall I say in the body. And he was determined that, that, the, that the message of the gospel would not be mixed with the old message of uh, performance. And his reason was so that the gospel would remain. And that's very important, and I'm glad that these thousands of years later, the gospel has remained. It's remained in the word by the anointing and the revelation of the Spirit of God. The gospel is not something that man can understand. It's not something that the angels understood. It's not something that the prophets understood. It's a thing that God put together according to his own counsel, and he did not seek anybody's advice. And he did this for a reason. He did this so that it couldn't be thwarted because it was such a wild and crazy idea that after sending the prophets and having them all killed, that he was going to send his son so that he would be killed. And they just walked right into it. It said if the, if the powers of the world would have known what was going up, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. You see it all hinged upon that great reality. Nobody had any idea. that It says the angels desired to look into it. The prophets just scratched their head. And so don't think that you can understand grace just because you're even saved. It is spiritually discerned. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. But he does speak to us, and he has revealed to us the in immensity of his provision. And in Ephesians, the second chapter, it says, I pray that you would have the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could understand the the inheritance and the power and the calling of God. So I just encourage you to let the word continue to change your mind, continue to renew your mind. And of course, it was the word that got you saved, and it's the word that's going to speak to you of how great your salvation is. So that when he says, don't neglect your salvation, he's not talking about make sure you keep your nose clean. He's saying, don't neglect this great salvation. In it, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Unto salvation, in the Amplified, it says, for in it an ascribed righteousness is revealed. And that is the power of God, is giving you righteousness. Although it's ascribed, <laughs> that's the only righteousness you're ever going to get. Paul said he didn't want to be found having any righteousness of his own, but only to be found of the righteousness that God had given him. And that's why he struggled with the Jewish people. He said, my own brothers, he said, I'm just brokenhearted. But they refused to submit. 
It's an interesting word to the righteousness of God and have set about to create their own righteousness by doing this and not doing that. We knew it didn't work then, and we should know it doesn't work now. But I must say this, that grace is sometimes hard to comprehend from our perspective. Okay? Don't you know that your proximity and your perspective of a thing changes? You can see something from afar and not understand it, but you can see it from a different angle, and it begins to make sense. Well, considering that we have been raised from the dead and are seated at the right hand of God with Jesus Christ, that should change our perspective, should it not? Rather than being a man that has problems and woes and can't quite get his act together, to a man that's sitting at the right hand of God, you say, well, that's spiritual talk. That's positional talk. Yes, it is. And I'm here to tell you that is your position. That is a better position than any other position that you might think you default to because the position, the only other position besides that is not a good position. And neither is it a good perspective. But I have found in the book of Ephesians a, a, a little bit of an understanding of not what grace is, but why grace is. There's a lot of preaching today about grace and I am so thankful for it. And they are trying to pull people away from a works mentality and try to get people to, to, to rejoice in the righteousness that is theirs. Because, and I've said this before, righteousness produces strength. If you, well, let me say it this way, heroes are not made out of being wrong. Heroes are made out of someone who knows they're right. And so, therefore, they're able to do things in the face of great obstacles because they know that they are in the right. And that is the place that God has put all of us righteous. We are right with God through his work, not ours. Now, that's a faith thing, but that's why he gave you faith. He's given every man a measure of faith. Put your faith there. That's the place you put your faith is in the gospel. When you put your faith in the gospel, everything else is going to be okay. But if you try to put your faith in purchasing things on this earth, okay, it's a waste of time. That's not the best way to say it. It's a poor, it's a poor, it's a, it's a poor thing to waste faith on. We need things. We need a house. We need a car. We need clothes. We need finances. We need all of these things. And God says, if you need them, ask for them. Okay, sometimes it says you don't have it because you didn't ask for it. I don't understand those things because he knows everything before we ask. But we still do it his way, don't we? But God had to redeem us in a way that we couldn't destroy because our redemption was more important to him. Our, repent, our redemption was for his sake, not our sake. It really was. He did this for himself. Now, God's the only one in existence that can say, I want everything my way. In fact, I want everything my way, and you can just get down on your face, and you can worship me. Is that strange? It's not strange for God. It's strange for me. But God is God, and he is without fault. And when I read these three passages to you to help you understand the why he used grace, Maybe it'll help us to understand 
how to receive grace and walk in grace. We won't just save by grace, we walk by grace. It's Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ. So I've got three scriptures. Here's the first one here, and I'm in Ephesians, which is a great chapter. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible because I'm a guitar player. <laughs> I have lots of these Amplified Bibles, lots of guitars too. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 4 in chapter 2, but God, so rich is he in his mercy. Listen, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. That's why. That's the number one why for grace. God created a redemption of grace because he has this intense love for you. And the only way for him to love you is to put you permanently in a place where he can love you. He didn't want someone coming in and coming out. When he would go home, his wife wouldn't be there because she didn't feel worthy. He provided and produced and manifested everything for that woman, and that woman is you. In order to satisfy his intense love, he saved you by grace so that he could keep you where he wants you, and that's receiving his love. That's, that's pretty cool. And I'm trying to somewhat make this brief without, if I didn't make it brief, it'd be ridiculous, okay. Verse 7, he did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come, this is big, the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart towards us in Christ Jesus. So you see, this is a, a story Similar to your story, if you're a man, you, you, you might pursue a lot of things, you might have a garage full of junk, but really what matters to you is that you find a good woman, okay? And, and whatever you do in life, you'd like to get a little credit for it. Am I right? I mean, that's, that's pretty basic man traits. And that, that's the first two steps right here. God wanted a good woman, a good, a good companion, a good spouse. I don't know how that all washes out. But he does talk about marriage being a type of Christ in the church. So there's a lot to, to learn, isn't there? And there's a time for learning and there's a time for trusting. There's a time for believing. There's a time with saying, okay, God. You know. So here we go. Number one, God wants to satisfy himself because he has this great love. Number two, he wants to glorify himself. Now, in the Old Testament, you know, you'd see these references to Moses and the Israelites, and, and, and he would say, or Moses would say, well, now, now these people are going to say that God let us out of here so we could be destroyed. See, he was putting that in God's face. 
So don't let that happen, Lord. That, looks, that makes you look bad. See? So he sustained those people through all sorts of nonsense. Okay? Did it for his sake, for his name. And that's just why he took grace and an and a, a incredible package that he put together with his own begotten son so that he could, it was pricely. How costly could that have been? But he wanted to ensure that we would stay with him and that he would get perpetual, eternal praise and worship and glory for what he did. No shadow of turning. No, no, there's no way ever anybody ever could say anything about God and the way he saved us. See, there's no way you can, no way you can put that on the table except to say God is amazing. Look what the Father's done. And you know, we, if we go back to Lucifer and him being deceived and wanting to be like God and somehow got in a bad mood about God and was so clever that he got up on the soapbox and did his rabble-rousing and got a third of the angels to go with him. Now, I don't know how he did that, but he did it. I'll tell you how he did it. He did it by bringing an accusation against God. It's kind of like politics, isn't it? So you see, God, in essence, has a, settle, a score to settle with all those fallen angels, all of the demons, everybody that has brought... The accuser and making the story right forever and ever and ever. Nobody could ever say God's not fair. Nobody could ever say that God's not kind. Nobody could ever say that God is not just because of the way he chose to redeem his people. And that looked like a hopeless case, I'm telling you, but it wasn't. So number three, and this also is, is wonderfully patterned. <clears throat> verse 21, in oh, verse 20, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, to grow, to increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God for, by, and through the Spirit. So you see, this is a very simple proposition. God wanted to satisfy his great love. He wanted to receive eternal, perpetual, endless glory and shut every mouth that has ever said anything negative about him. And number three, he wanted to build a house to live in. Now that is as strange and wonderful as it can be. But that's why grace exists. Because without it being grace, an unspoilable grace, a grace that had nothing to do with you except a yes or a no, then that puts him in the position of being
being able to maintain and always have what he designed to have. People to love, glory forever, and a house to live in. So when you start getting confused about, is, could God be that good to me after what I've done, even after I'm saved? Is it possible that he could forgive me? It's not even an option. He did it. Oh, it's finished. Like that song I sing, what will I find? People think, well, I hope I'm not in a bar somewhere getting drunk when the Lord comes back. <laughs> well, I hope you're not in a bar somewhere getting drunk anytime. But nevertheless, the Lord is not coming back to deal with sin. He has already dealt with sin. He despised it, but he put an end to it. And he destroyed his power in his resurrection. See? So you see, when the Lord comes back, it says in the Bible, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? He's looking for you that are looking for him. It's kind of like in sales, they teach you, don't worry about all the no's, you're just looking for the people that are looking for you. And that's wisdom, that's truth, that'll, that'll keep you in the, in the sales field. But God is coming back looking for those people that are looking for him, loving his appearance, waiting on the Lord. So it and it's it's it sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard, but that's okay. Okay. It's still simple. It's still simple. The Lord has designed all of this to be simple. So that a child, a child, a child, a three year old boy named Rocky Green can get saved. See? And begin his life with a tremendous advantage of the Spirit of God. I didn't I didn't get saved till I was, I don't know how old I was, 20, 19. And I had some stuff to undo, as we all do. So I think that that is sufficient for today. I want you to look at your relationship with God from his perspective and not yours. Because his perspective never changes. His feelings never change. People think that God is in a bad mood because of them. But God is in a good mood because he has saved you and brought you home. It's like that story in Luke 15. Whenever somebody repents, they have a party in heaven. Well, I'm here to tell you that they probably don't, aren't doing anything else because there's people getting saved all the time. So it's, and they don't say, oh, no, man, not another one. They go, you're kidding me, another one, hallelujah, praise God. Fill the, fill the cat and flap, what is it? No, kill the flat or the calf. <laughs> Can I tell you Jesus loves you? Can I tell you that if you would have been the only earthling, he would have did what he did? Can I tell you that he wants to fellowship with you? Can I tell you that he's the one that's closer than a brother? You know, there are things closer than a brother, like a mother, sometimes a dad. That's the kind of love he gives us to sample his unchangeable, unrepentable love that he has for you. 
And when you say yes to Jesus, and when you come into Christ and are baptized into Christ by the Spirit and baptized into the Spirit by Christ, you're sealed. And it's good news. It's good news that can cause you to have peace. It's good news that can cause you to rest. It's good news that gives you joy. It's good news that gives you gentleness and meekness and kindness and long-suffering and patience. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your saints. This is what it's all about. It's all about the saints. It's not about the preachers. It's not about the evangelists. It's about the saints, your people. Lord, we are sent to the saints to give them the good news, to encourage them, to cause them to rejoice, to cause them to stand up in the strength of their righteousness and be bold and be full of the Holy Spirit of God. So I gift these people, Lord, with more and more and more. I pray that you'll take each one of them where they are and touch them with your hand. Let them know, let them feel, and let them rejoice. Unto great things, unto heroic action unto marvelous wonders through and by with your Holy Spirit who knows no bounds bless your saints bless them bless them right here in this corner of the world